G'day and welcome to Dog Talk. I'm Dan Camilleri. And I'm Laura McKillop. We'd like to start by thanking Enduro for their ongoing support in bringing you our live weekly Q&A. Tonight we're fortunate enough to be speaking with Grace Holstead and Zach Eade. Grace and Zach will be picking who they think has asked the best question of the night and they will win a bag of Enduro High Energy Food for Working Dogs with Real Kangaroo Meat. Hey guys, how are you going? Good, good thanks. Good. How are you going? Yeah, good, thank you. Good, thanks. How was your day? Outstanding. Busy. Is that outstanding because you got to come home to that beautiful face next to you, Zach, or what? Always. Great answer. <laughs> so, uh, mate, we, uh, we might get straight into it. Do you guys want to tell us a little bit about yourselves, where you're from, what you do? Uh, yeah. Um, we live just out of Singleton in the Hunter Valley, and I'm a livestock agent by trade. And, uh, yeah, that's we've um, been living here for a couple of years, and I'm originally from over the coast towards sort of between Newcastle and Tarry. Um, and I was I was born in Warren, uh, but my family moved to Merry War when I was around three. Um, so Merry War is home basically uh, for my whole life. And um, I moved here a couple of years ago and currently I contract back to Merry War uh, mustering um but i'm a full-time mother to our daughter annabelle who's nine months old beautiful and uh not only a full-time mom, you're juggling your mustering around parenting as well how's that go yeah it's easy though i have my parents dad manages the place so mum gets a lot of time with her which is really really <laughs> nice and um yeah annabelle just loves it beautiful so for you both, where did your passion for livestock and working dogs come from? My girl. You go. Uh, I was born and reared on a dairy farm and, uh, yeah, had everything from cows to chooks to ducks to goats to everything else. And uh, my parents had a Kelpie stud growing up. So, yeah, exposed to dogs and, and always had all sorts of animals and thought I could put one and one together and breed a champion and sell it to someone and get another one. And yeah, that's about the passion of livestock. Yeah. And I, I grew up on 25,000 acres that had sheep, cattle, horses, dogs, cats, chooks, everything. So yeah, I've been exposed to it all as well. Dad has been breeding Kelpies forever too. So I was more so into horses and polo cross rather than dogs uh, growing up. Yeah. Been very successful at as well. Uh, yeah, a lot of time went into it, but. <laughs> and you're still playing as well, like playing, mustering. Where do you find the time <laughs> to do all of um, <laughs> Yeah, I've pulled up now. I only got four carnivals in this year, but, um, yeah, it was really good because uh, I missed a year when I was pregnant with Annabelle and then COVID and, yeah, so it was good being back this year. It was, it was good fun. Uh, awesome. And growing up in the land, was there someone that inspired, or specifically inspired both of you like to continue down that path? Uh, family, I guess, for me. And, um, yeah, my parents were on the land. And, yeah, that's a pretty easy path to follow when you've got it around you. Yeah, same. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. Question here from Adam Roble. Um you both have grown up and been involved in the livestock and dog industry your whole lives. How have dogs and dog handling changed and have they improved or gone backwards? 
Um, I've only had one dog, so <laughs> I, I haven't gone backwards yet. Um, but yeah, you'll be better at that one. Um, I think, yes, things have changed. Um, probably a few parts to that question, I suppose. The um, dog handling changed. It's probably changed in the public eye, but probably there's still a lot of bush dogs out there doing their day-to-day -day work that are not seen. Um, the longer dogs are dead, the better they get. So I think there's probably, you know, everyone's got a story that a dog eats better. That was around 10 years ago, but was he or wasn't he is a different story comparing apples with apples. Um, but yeah, there's certainly a lot of, a lot of class going into the, the, certainly people training dogs and, and there's a lot of different elements. There's no right or wrong way, but there's certainly people putting a lot more effort, time and effort into them because A, they're probably worth more money if you put a bit of time and effort into them and uh, yeah. I suppose they have evolved and changed, but the uh, the backbone of the dog is probably still used in a lot of the same way, I would think. Yeah, absolutely. And some people that um, we've spoken to previously, you know, they, they blame, or not so much blame, but say that the introduction of bikes and buggies and whatnot have had a massive influence on that. Um, you guys still doing a lot of mustering. You guys still mustering on horseback up there a bit? Yeah, all the time. Yeah, a lot. Yep, yep. Yeah. And, but we're very diverse. Grace does most in horse. I could be mostly out of the ute. Um, yeah, probably relying on dogs just out of the Toyota and probably a bit lazy and I'd put the music on and turn the windows up and just rely on the dogs, bring the stock to me. But yeah, I don't, it doesn't matter which, whether you use bikes, horses, dogs, buggies, utes. I think if you just use your dogs in the right way, they, um, they can be very helpful. Beautiful. And you guys are both working elsewhere. Have you got any of your own livestock or property? Here you go. Yeah, we do. Um, we got cattle mostly, and we run a few sheep here on on grain feeders, like trade a few fat lambs. But uh, we've probably got a hundred head of cattle spread across a few adjustment blocks, and um, yeah, we just run a few bits and pieces, mostly cows, cows and cows. So well, yeah, we do have a few of our own. And being an agent, you'd see all different types of, of stock come in. Some a bit wilder than, than others. How, what's the importance of like low stress stock handling to yourself, you know, seeing so many different arrays of stock come from all over the joint? Yeah, that's interesting. We do see a lot of different types in stock and um, out on the field, I guess you sort of know what you're going into before you get there. A lot of the time, um, as far as a mustering point of view in my job, you go, put it bluntly, we only get the shit jobs really. Um, we get the jobs that are, are you know, no one really wants to go there, but we go there because we get paid to sell them. So, um, yeah, we see we see some pretty ordinary characters. Um, as far as sale yard sense goes, you see 25 different vendors of a night and they could be all dif handled different. The way they're loaded, the way that set up is they've come from. Some of the quietest cattle at home can be the worst cattle to handle in this sale yards. Um, but, yeah, back to the mustering point of view, um, yeah, we get some pretty ordinary characters to deal with, but it's all part of the job and... You get them in the yard, you get to sell them, and that's how you get paid. So you just make it happen. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, we going there. Go no, back to these. Yeah. Cool. Um, so I know Grace, you have a bit of a story for this one, but we'll start with Zach. Who and what was your first breed of dog? My first breed of dog. Yeah. And who Who was it? Like, do you remember your first dog? Yeah. Oh, yeah. My parents always had dogs, and I've probably seen plenty come and go, but. Uh, just as I got to a later teenager, um, 
I took a black and tan dog called Rocky with me. Um, probably not not everyone's cup of tea, but he was good for me. And he stayed. He only died last year, actually. So, at uh, 16 year old, um, had to go to dog trial in the first in um, uh, when horse flu was on, just because that's what you done. You just went and had to go to dog trial at local show and won it. So that was pretty cool. So that was probably the first dog that really cemented into my brain that I had. And yeah, I'm a young fella, see, so he only died last year. Had the same dog right the way through. How about you guys? Um, yeah, well, when I sort of got a spark to get into working dogs, um, Dad had already bought Emma off um, Kevin and Kay Howe. So I was... Um, very, very interested in trialing um, and to the point where I would be at home watching YouTube videos of anyone, Kevin, at a trial. And, uh, yeah, so I wanted the dog with a name tag. Um, and then the day that Dad um, wanted to swap me, I grabbed her and it was it's been a lot of headaches since. Don't worry. <laughs> it's been a big learning curve and we sort of, sort of blossomed when I met Zach and he sort of put a bit of finesse on us and yeah so Emma's sort of my start and I think I'll always remember her because she's been easy very easy but difficult at the same time because we're both learning so yeah and across that learning curve what's one one of the main things you've taken away from it for yourself uh learning to work with your dog um we like we muster feral goats um, and it wasn't until I started working feral goats um, with her that we sort of clicked I suppose you could say like yeah we it yeah it's an art I believe and to be able to work with your dog to get a job done makes everything a hundred times easier and back from there you said like something got that spark about working dogs and trialing dogs. What what brought that on? Um, <laughs> um, him, I suppose. I, I, met Zach. <laughs> I met Zach at a polo cross carnival um, and he was a cattle dog trialer. Um, and at the time, Emma was just a tiny puppy. So everything was just this big dream of mine. Yeah. That's this sort of where it all started. Yeah, beautiful. How is it? <laughs> you've, you've commended Zach a couple of times there. Do you want to give us a bit of a, an insight as to why he's helped you so much and how? Uh, <laughs> he, Zach is very good at reading stock. Um, like he was saying before, that he gets a lot of different um breeds and different types of cattle come through the sale yards he's just got to adapt and work um and i think that's a huge thing when it comes to trialing because everywhere you go is different stock um that have been handled differently in their upbringing um so (laughs) I never, I'll never forget it. Um, the first time that he took me to muster goats, um, he, I let Emma go and she disappeared into the scrub 
and I was so petrified that she was going to muck things up because Zach's dogs had these goats pulled up and I wouldn't stop talking. I was trying to work her the whole time and I couldn't see her, but I was I was just <laughs> petrified she was going to block them somewhere that she shouldn't. And he's he said to me, you got to be quiet um, and just come with me. And we walked right out in front and these dogs brought these goats down. I don't know, it was like a metre gap, wasn't it? Like it was a drop off one side and then a drop off the other side and these goats just walked down this track to us. And I thought, oh, okay, all right, let the dog do its thing. Like natural, her natural work is good. And and then from there, it's just as much as he he doesn't think I listen, um, <laughs> I 100% am a prodigy of him. <laughs> Fangirling. Uh, I don't know. One fan anyway. <laughs> That's all you need, mate. So these days, what type of style of dog do you guys after and chasing? Um, we're probably, probably a bit different, to be honest with you, but um, I don't mind one that's a bit ignorant and doesn't listen. The ghost hates that um, because they're, I've sort of got the windows up and got the music going and on the phone a bit, so I sort of want them to do their own thing a fair bit. Um but yeah, just we look just natural work, just more paddock work because that's just what we do. It's not against anything else, but just yeah, just they don't have to be big and strong and powerful. Just want to get the job done. Um, it doesn't really matter what way they want to get it done. At the end of the day, as long as they want to get it done and they got the desire to please you, um, nature big thing. As long as they're good natured, it's probably you know nature and, and desire is just huge. Just you know they mightn't be the prettiest going or prettiest what. When you're out there with them every day and you just think, oh, shit, that was a good bit of work or, you know, it comes down to desire and they look at you and say, that was pretty good, eh? Or, no, they'll go out there and try harder or, or whatever. You just pick up on those little signs, you know, the ones that quit on you and come back and carry on like that makes my blood boil. But, um, yeah, I don't mind if they're a bit ignorant if they're on the job and trying to please you. We have a very mixed bag of team of work dogs. Um, we have every breed and it's really funny when you um, talk to people about what style of dog suits you. Um, we obviously have all of them, but for me being new into the dog industry, um, Emma is my dog and um, the first pup that I have kept, I've had a few, but the first pup that I have kept um, is a full brother to her. So yeah. he's just a dog that suits me and, um, yeah, and I'll I'll keep him for a pretty long time, I'd say. And you want to tell us about your current team? Snoopy. Because <laughs> um, we don't have the miles and the big work that, that a lot of people probably have on places, we only have a small team as such. We've probably got five or six going dogs. that We don't have a lot of young dogs coming behind them, but um, my little team, we've probably got two teams that, ourselves and then we've got a couple that go between us but um, I've got a black and tan dog that's probably pretty weak on cattle in a lot of ways and um, but very good in the bush and just um, as I talk about a desire like we run tracking collars not on them in, in the bush and and um, he'll be on the stock he mightn't be the biggest powerfulest dog moving him but he'll have him and in the, the day that's what he's got him you can always go and help him if he's got him so he's probably the brains of the operation um, and then I run a black bitch a crossbreed sort of bitch that Ricky Mitchell bred from Glenrock. Um, she um, she's the ignorant one that I probably speak of, but just got a bit of desire again. Like just as she's getting older, just getting better in the bush and 
and you know a lot of stuff mustering out a Toyota it's just um yeah they've got to be able to think for themselves and you can't get to everywhere they are and so they're my two main ones and then we got um the big black and white dog Snoopy that goes between the pair of us um Grace probably loves him a fair bit more than I do but I get a fair tune out of him he's um he's very handy for what he is he's pretty dumb um but he's a he's a good slave he's a good slave he, uh, he's yeah a lot of people everywhere you go in public people love him but He's probably my third pick out of three dogs, and people look at you and shake your head and think you don't know why. But when you're with him every day, you talk about the um, the desire and that. He's just yeah, he's just a thug that you just cart along to do his job, and he's certainly got his place. There's not there's nothing against him, but he's just that's his place. And then that's yeah, Grace carts him a bit, and then she's got a couple as well. So I have Emma, who's sort of the brains of my operation. She yeah, you put the tracker on them, and they Charlie and Emma they're very very good in the bush um they'll have the stock pulled up somewhere uh and then i have a bitch that chris bagnall has lent me um i don't know if he'll ever get it back but (laughs) (laughs) she's a new zealand heading dog um and she's probably very very um she's made a final for me at most trials um we haven't been able to bring home the bacon yet, but we're getting there. We're getting closer. Um, and then I have Snoopy, who I love having in my team. And yeah, I have young Spud, who's coming through the ranks. Oh, beautiful. You took a bit of offence when uh, Zach called Snoopy a bit thick earlier. Oh, it's <laughs> a touchy subject because he won him a buckle the other day. And I said to him there, I said, you're not allowed to say a bad word about him ever again. Never said a bad word. I'm just honest. <laughs> Uh, congratulations on that too, mate. We'll touch base on that a bit later. But one thing I noticed you guys mentioned there uh, a couple of times is obviously bush trackers. Um, so you guys just sending your dog on a bit of scent a lot of the time to find stock or how's, how's uh, that? So, not so much on dead set scent. Like if you go with the people that, that do use them on scent, they're, they're very different. They're probably miles in better class of dogs than mine, but um, more so on cattle that are fleeing and 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 you know they're, they're running off you and traveling so they're sort of going on on visual to start with i suppose and then a bit of scent they're not actually just dropping into a paddock and, and going off straight scent there's there's a bit of probably um difference in that i've been with you know a couple of very well respected mates of mine that um they certainly will find off scent um that's a that's a class of its own that sort of dog but yeah they just oh, one one place for instance like there's sort of five thousand acres of of feral cattle and and um, they'll travel out when the cattle head they'll just they'll go with them and, and go and pull them up somewhere and then we can go and take the cavalry to them but um and on the feral goats like the, the main thing that stuffs feral goats up is is the person so the track and collars are required there as far as we stay on the road um but it's good to know that they're coming that's the thing you're sitting there waiting very impatiently if you don't have a track and collar and wondering whether they're coming or going so um we just put the trackers on them really just to put our mind at ease and just you look down at the screen and say yeah they're coming or no they're going and you work out a plan after that but um that's the main i suppose the goats you just stay out of the way yeah or get worried when you see treated quarry and go yeah, after yeah found no, out. that means they got one caught <laughs> <That's terrible. laughs> there's um a question here from kane gardner would you rather a more natural dog when you work goats or a trained dog that would more work for you when you ask it that's this is a good question because when I first met Zach, his dogs are very, um, very good in the bush, and they just 
they adapt to the situation and and um they're all natural working um i sort of ventured out didn't i and i got the sides on my dogs um with my new zealand dog um she hasn't got very good natural work um but when you're in the vicinity to be able to work her she's exceptional um emma is in between i can put her wherever i want but she's still natural and i i think that is unreal because um i can still picture sitting on the other side of a gully and um it being a rock cliff straight above and that's where she thinks I am. So she, a dog trying to balance up and bring goats straight up there isn't going to work. Um, so to be able to steer her and the goats around that, that's really, really handy. Yeah. And and obviously men, men pressure always buggers the goats up. Um, so, yeah, being able to stay out of the way and guide your, guide your dog through there, um, I think that that's super handy. Certainly natural until you get get a hand on them like you, they've got to be natural for the first bit because you as soon as they spot human and it, you know every different place you go to must have goats are different some have been tampered with plenty of times and they they just are twice as wild as a place where there's been no action but um yeah certainly natural dogs do the first bit and then once you go and find them and get a bit of a, a gauge on them and, and how touchy they are then you can work out which one you're going to use after that but um normally your bush dogs that are a bit older and They'll take them back to to home base as such. They'll head them for head them for home. They won't sort of naturally try and balance them up to a stupid point. They'll just they'll head for home. Yeah. Yep. And then there's a question here as well from um, Kate Blair Hickman. When you guys were talking about teams, um, you only had three dogs to make up a team. What qualities would you want in each dog? Um, for our team, for my team. Um, I'm pretty happy with the three I got. So um, I got a brains, and then I got a, a brains with a bit of punch, and then I got a fair bit of punch with not a lot of brains. But I probably wouldn't mind adding a bit more brains in the one with a bit of punch. But um, <laughs> certainly the three I got, I would. Yeah, I, I don't know whether I'd trade them out. Pretty. If someone offered me three more, they'd have to be pretty exceptional to swap them out. I think. What about your three? Oh, I um yeah. Glad you got. Yeah. Uh, Try yeah. and buy mine. I'd say. And for you, for you guys, what what do you think makes a good sheepdog, a good cattle dog? But more importantly, like for this conversation I'm supposed to be having now, is what makes a good goat dog? Um, personal preference. There you go. That's um, everybody that, works stock different. Yeah, there's no, you know, we're we're very not biased in the dog world at all. So, um, you know, every person is different. So. You know, even when it comes to working big mobs of sheep in the yard, like I've worked at double sale yards, like the amount of people that wouldn't see the lead sheep, whether it's turning or coming or going and just making a mile of noise at the back, you know, it, that comes down to how they work their dogs too. You could have a real noisy dog at the back that's got no effect on the sheep at the front or you could have a dog that's quiet as buggering and, and just make full effect on the sheep at the front. So it comes down to personal preference. I, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, don't, I don't really know. I think... Um, when you come down the goat dogs, you a dog in between. Like he's he's got to be strong enough, but he's got to be off him and have a fair bit of cover and feel and whatever else you want to call it. But yeah, it's just natural ability that I think I don't know whether there's any person preference what makes a good sheep dog or, or not. But mm, goats are yeah, goats are amazing at picking weakness in dogs. So you definitely have to have a 
are a stronger dog. But when I say strong, I don't mean cow punching strong. I just mean to have a, a strong presence. Um, yeah. So when you watch goats with a pack of dogs working, you, you it's usually the lead goat, whether it's a nanny or Billy, and they will actually follow the, the weak dog and keep hammering it. Um, so, yeah. And as far as cattle go, like they're, um, they're so different. And probably in my job, you see it more so than someone that works in a place. Like I see that many different types of cattle. Sometimes uh, sometimes old mate that's dumb and fast and gets the lead handles cattle better than the ones that get off them. And then you buy some of these trade cows and calves that, you know, a lot of people say you need a cow and calf dog. Cow and calf dog, well, on those boss unicus cross trade cows and calves, it's probably nearly the opposite. You almost want a sheep dog that's, that's a bit strong because they, they travel a bit and you need them off them. And otherwise, if they're in close and annoying, they travel twice as fast. So, um, it's just, it's so, it's so many variables to that, I guess. Yeah. Absolutely. So your dogs are obviously working cattle, sheep, goats. What Would you say all of them are an all-round dog or do you use certain ones for certain jobs and where do you go from there with them? I am, um, I'm going to answer this. Um, so I'd like, uh, Charlie and Emma are all-round, they, they do it all, um, but then... I, before Zach placed at that um, Gyra um, sheep and cattle dog trial, um, she, <laughs> you could easily say that she's a all round now because she she's the next one to go on the goats, and she went bloody good in the three sheep trial, and um, yeah. So, and I'm hoping to run Snoopy in the um, size shootout at Carcor if I can. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> get him going well enough. But they all have a guard, everything. Yeah, um, they they got to. They got probably, to. you know, the collie dogs are cattle based, but he, you know, if we're mustering goats and we need another dog, he's there. Um, yeah, so they in I suppose in a whole, yes, they're all all rounders. Are they all good at everything? Probably not. Um, are they all average at everything? Yeah, probably. But um, yeah, well, one thing we won't do is talk them up. So <laughs> that's how they are. Just keep it real. That's it. Always. Yeah. Always have a go. Yeah. And this, I think this question is probably a bit interesting for both of you. Is how important is trainability to use individually? Like Zach liking a bit more of an arrogant style of dog and Grace liking a little bit more finesse. Me? Yeah. So important. <laughs> it's so important for me. Um, yeah. yeah. There's nothing better than being able to um, have control of your your pup who has instincts flying through them um, at vulnerable ages and, but they're still, um, they still love you and they're still a hundred percent invested in listening to everything you say. So yeah, I love that. And that's, that's what I strive for, but. I'm not a very good trainer. So I just like the ones that want to do it themselves. So <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm a bit lazy on the training front to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, it's very important to answer your question. Yes, it's very important. Um, do I, you know, look for it? I do look for it. Yes, but do I service it the way it needs to be serviced? No, too lazy. And um, but get them to where they need to be by the age they're ready to go to work. I think I nearly get them there anyway. At eight, nine, ten months old, they're sort of nearly at the same stage as one that's been tampered with all his life. So yeah, it's um, I suppose they've got an element of trainability anyway. But I just sort of cart them and, and just. I do, you know, do the training in a, in a different way. I cart them each day and 
they're jumping in and out the box, going to clients' places. You know, that's probably more than a lot of people's dogs get sitting in the cages at home. So they're actually getting trained of hop in, hop out, don't jump out till I tell you, and that sort of yeah. stuff. But um, yes, it is important to answer your question. And on that note, Kate's actually asked another question. How much time do you spend on a young dog before you take them to work? And what do you like to see before making that decision? Um, I've got a young dog at the moment. Uh, I'm probably not. <laughs> I am probably throwing him in the deep end a fair bit. Uh, but I have high expectations for him. Um, and I believe that, I don't know, I... He is, I, I see with him that I can do all the jobs here at home, um, move the sheep from paddock to paddock. Um, I've worked him a little bit on cattle um, here at home from paddock to paddock. Um, he is a dog that needs a lot of work. Um, so the last lot of mustering that I have been doing, I carted him. Um, I think he's just on eight months now. Um, and then I used him the other day as basically my main dog. Um, so for me, I, I looked at him as though I can, um, mentally he can hack it. So, and there was a few times that you probably thought, oh, I better put you away. Um, but yeah, in a nutshell, I just looked at him and I thought you, you'll be right. And I, you need the miles because he's, very high revving. Um, but then in saying that, I have also had a, a collie dog. Um, I don't know, maybe he'd be two years old now, I think. Chris Bagnall has him. Um, and he most certainly wasn't ready for work. Um, at the same age, he most certainly was not ready. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it depends on the dog. Yeah. Should we get that one? Or? Yeah, yeah. Um... Back on the goat topic, um, Nikki West has asked, um, how do your dogs respond in their behaviour if they have a bulk time working with goats to then putting them on sheep and how well do they transition? Um, they don't have a choice. They just get something different every day. They yeah. transition fine. Um, I probably don't look into it too much of how they transition each time, but they, um, yeah, I think uh, they probably don't work all that different. I think they... Um, Horses, of course. If you had a paddock full of animals, you know, and there was goats, sheep and cattle in there, they'll go for the goats first and then the sheep and then the cattle. Um, and if there's pigs in there, they'll probably chase the pigs first. But um, so, yeah, it's an excitement thing. So they do work a bit more excitable on the goats. Um, so, yeah, they, they probably do, you know, they probably run a bit fresh for a little while, but not a lot of change, no. Beautiful. Yep, Justin Malcolm has asked, do you guys like a dog with lots of eye and style or more of a free and more full-on dog? Um, yeah, <laughs> once again, I'm, I'm very open to as long as the job's getting done and it's getting done to how I want it. I'd probably prefer a bit more eye and style but certainly not sticky or, or anything like that. It comes down to how they're getting the job done, if they're, what impact they're having on their stock. Whenever we work young dogs and pups, the biggest thing is to watch your stock, not your pup. And that'll, that'll work out whether the pup's any good or how you want them to work. But um, what do you prefer? In between. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just comes down to how they do the job. Yeah. I, I think your, your dog with a bit of eyes probably got him a bit calmer, but then they can draw the stock on them too. So just it all comes down to how the stock moves. That come, that's all it is for us. 
yeah. at the end of the day, you've got to be able to get the job done. So you want the dog that's going to, um, yeah, try for you, I suppose. How so did you go? Oh, you keep going. Oh, yeah. No, I was just going to say, so if it's going to sit there and stare at the sock instead of pushing it over the creek, it's no good to me. How did you guys come to sort of not realisation but, you know, that answer? Because, you know, so many of us get focused on watching the path. Is it just something with time and work that you've sort of adapted to more watching, um, you know, more of that let's just get the job done and if the dog's doing it correctly then we like it or how that Money. <laughs> you, get, you get paid for getting the stock in the yards and yep. when you work in feral cattle and feral goats, it's, that's how it comes down to, you know, you're not talking about rip tear bust and you're not talking about, you know, being the, the most low stress stock handling in the, in the you know, in the area. You're being about getting the, the person that can get the job done yep. and um, to be able to drive into a paddock with either a buggy, a bike, a horse or a Toyota and get the job done and, and have a dog to be able to let out to say, right, uh, this is the job we've got today. And I use, you know, I'm going to say that you use two all the time. Well, will I use A and B or will I use A and C? But, you know, just get the job done. And uh, while you mentioned money, mate, and uh, Grace mentioned the size shootout before, we've seen a big uptake in a lot more auctions, obviously, across the country. Um, do you think this is a good thing for the working dog industry and where do you see it going? You can have a go. Yeah, well, of course, <laughs> I think it's great. It is great. Um <laughs> yeah, and unfortunately, the dogs that we have that would be worth up there are dogs we could never sell. Um, so, but for the people that that um, put their time and effort into their dogs, a hundred percent, they should be paid for reap the reward for sure. Yeah, I know. I know firsthand how hard it is and <coughs> what work they take. It's not easy. It's not easy. What about yourself, Zach? Yeah, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing. The um, I think the the market, like any market, like it'll um, there'll be the last five years, dogs have been making extraordinary money, and any dog's been making extraordinary money. I think you'll see it like the stock cattle livestock markets. I think you'll see the better ones making big money, and I think you'll see the the lesser quality dogs not make as much. I I believe there's there's going to become a big gap in between. Um, I may be wrong, but I just the the dogs that are making the big money are, are worth every cent. I, I'm not taking that away from anyone. There's just a middle run of dogs there at the moment that that probably aren't eligible to go home and, and do a job making big money. I think those dogs will probably drop back a category. Um, um, I think, yeah, I, I don't see that as a problem. I think that'll mean, that'll mean that mean that the better dogs put on the market will get rewarded for it. Um, as far as the trialing goes, and that with the money put up, I think it's a great thing. People put more, a lot more time and effort in and, and um, yeah. Yeah. And on that note, Mitchell Bennett's asked, what do you think is the best thing the dog industry on as a whole um, can do to ensure top quality dogs will stay around and average lesser quality dogs are left behind? I think it'll sort itself out. I, you can't, there's nothing you can really do. You can't control every person in the industry. I think it'll just, the, the cream will rise to the top and, and the, the shit will drop by the wayside. But it happens in all all facets of the livestock industry. The um, you know, the, the the cream of the crop will always rise, and it might take a while. And there might be a lot. Of, I think there's a lot of dogs at the moment making ten and twelve and fourteen thousand that probably aren't ready to go home. Probably different if they're they're females and they've got breeding that people want. That's that's something you can't control if they want to buy and to breed from. But genuine work dogs, I don't think that there's a 
you know, I, yeah, I think that'll just sort itself out. I just think that there's a middle run there that just making probably far too much money, but you know, they're worth that because that's what people are paying. So I'm not against it, but I just think it'll sort itself out here shortly. Yeah, Clint, you guys breeding any of your own pups there? We'd like to. <laughs> no, we, we don't because we don't have the work for them. It's not much use. You know, we don't like having big numbers of dogs hanging about. They um, they don't get the time and the effort in if you have heaps of pups hanging about and they're just a, you know, a waste if you're not going to put the time in them. So we probably will try and breed a litter or two in the next little bit. Um, we tried at Christmas time, we tried two different bitches to two different dogs and neither of them went in pups. So um, they're due to come on heat again early July. So... We'll try that again, but um, yeah, we don't breed many at all. No, we sort of get enough coming at us from friends and and people in, associated with dogs and offering us pups and all that sort of thing. We we can try one from anywhere really. And my bitch just hasn't come on heat, so <laughs> got no got no decisions to make there. Makes it easy. Nah, that's, yeah, right. that's right. <laughs> How do you guys go about picking a pup for yourself? Here you go. Um, I hope pups. You nature. Get, you get them. Nature. Nature. 100%. Um, nature for me because um, they are rearing a pup for us is a little bit, probably a little bit different for a, a lot of people um, because at, we only really ever have one. Um, and yeah just the, the, the way that I like to do it. Um, they have to be able to handle it. Um, not so much handle it, but they've got to have a good nature. Um, yeah. Desire to please. Just, yeah. yeah. If you're going to walk over, for instance, if I have a little pup um, and there's a, um, a, a some logs and I go and step over the log and the pup scurries up over and chases you and nothing phases it. That I love that. Yeah. I don't like the ones that go, ooh, I don't like that and go go the long way to go around. Yeah. Yeah. And getting pups from all over the shop, like you just mentioned before, um, what advice would you give to anyone wanting to purchase their first dog or pup? Um, select a pup to the nature of the person, I guess. Like some people probably can handle a really bold friendly pup and it might be you know someone will say yeah you really want a really bold friendly pup and then you'll get a, an old cocky down the road so I, I always pick the timid pup and there's no right or wrong way it's just the, the pup's got to adapt to the person so that person walks into a pup pen and one stands out to it just take that one don't worry about what he says she says or whether you should take the runt or the big one or the middle one or it's yeah, a lucky dip personal preference absolutely one will stand out to you one won't Beautiful. And what age do you guys go about starting your pups? And there's actually a question here. Sorry, guys. No, few... sorry. I was reading it the wrong way. It's it's, it's about trialing. Don't worry. <laughs> got a few questions here. So uh, I hope you've got a bit of order there, funny. Like good or bad. <laughs> um, we just start them when they're sort of ready. Like if they're eight weeks old and they're looking like they're wanting to chew the shoes or, you know, chase the cattle or work the horses, we'll certainly give them a look. Um, yeah, anywhere from eight weeks sort of onwards, probably the age I would say. Um, certainly, they have had some work earlier and, and some not work at all, and some work later. But um, yeah, eight, ten, twelve weeks—that's all they should be sort of wanting to do something by then. And, and how do you go about starting them? Like stock, um, the setup. Have you got a preference? Uh, we're a little mama trainer sheep. Um, 
about half a dozen sheep just for them real little pups um, where they just come to you and they hang with you. And then that way, in our mind, that the pup can't really do a hell of a lot wrong. So he runs around them and the sheep will just come to us and he thinks he's doing a hell of a job. Um, so that hopefully kickstart the whole process of going to pick up sheep and bring them to, back to you. And then as soon as they're handling them, no worries. If they're running around them really keen, we'll just we'll step them up to a bigger mob straight away. Um, you know, 15, 18, 20 sheep. And then as soon as they're handling them, just keep the bigger mobs going. And that just gets their brain thinking. And, and um, if they think they're a bit, bit good for themselves, we'll just keep stepping them up and saying, how good are you, really? And, um, yeah, bigger mob. You know, and then a few goats. We've got half a dozen goats here with a, a billy goat that in them. And say, right, how tough are you? Throw them in there. And if they handle that, and they just keep going onwards and upwards and... Yeah, they sort of, they'll tell you what they want to do and how, how much they can handle. But, yeah, we just started with that half a dozen sheep just to really, just to give them a win, you know, like the, the sheep will run to you. And there is a, there's an old weather in them that will pick a pup that's pretty weak too. He'll step out and, and roll one into the dirt if he's if he knows he's not much good or, or whatever. But um, certainly that's the first mob of sheep we go to, yeah. He's the best, actually. Um, when I first got my first pup, I loved him to death. He was the best pup to get manners on. Like he was unreal. His nature is impeccable. Um, so I loved him and I'd work him on these sheep. And I remember Zach saying, the sh- like, watch your sheep because they'll tell you what the pup is doing. Um, and this weather he's talking about was just hammering him. And he was just showing that he was weak. He, that's what it was. He's just, he's weak. So the sheep was just showing me i suppose and Ooh. i was trying to attack the sheep because it was attacking my dog and yeah so <laughs> and you can put another you can put another eight week old pup within him straight after and if it's any good he won't take it on not at all yeah follow you around all day so he's probably that, that half a dozen sheep are just bloody they can tell you everything in the first but not tell you everything but tell you a fair bit in the first little few weeks so <laughs> yeah beautiful uh question here from kane gardner a lot of people like to put a stop and sit on pups first um, do you guys worry about that or just let them work and put a stop on them later? Uh, yeah, Grace is good with the manners. She gets the manners. We do put a just a more so a, a weight like, um, you know, we've got to credit Milo and Tony McCallum for their method, I suppose, of just getting them to wait um, and that sort of thing. Sort of it and then it comes down to a stop and then you don't actually ask for the stop but you're sort of teaching them a stop as you go and yeah. you just ask for it when it's ready. But... Yeah, Grace gets good manners on them sitting on a log and sitting up on a drum and all that sort of thing. So yes and no. It's, it makes it easier. It's, in, it's in not a stop. Way. It's not a breaking stop as such, but it's manners to, to wait till you're told to go. Yeah. Question here from Chris Egan uh, for Zach. Was there a specific moment you decided to let Grace uh, break in and train all your dogs? <laughs> or is it something that just happened over time? It just happened. It just happened. <laughs> Then it worked out. It's much easier if I just take them when she's got the shits with them. But, um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I I get. I've seen thousands of pups, and I'm sick of them. So she loves them still at the moment. So it works out well that she could take all the pups, and then they get to about the teenage age where they annoy the hell ever, and then she goes, starts cursing them, and they'll say, "Yeah, I'll just." He's about ready to go, and I'll take him. So the only problem is they love me to death, so they don't have a bar of him. <laughs> I, I can work through that, but yeah. <laughs> But answer to your last question led straight into that one. Yeah, I wasn't so. sure if it was a stitch up or not at first. And then when you said it, I was like, oh, I might as well ask it then. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm too lazy to do all that stuff. I'd love to go on to. <laughs> do you guys have any, like, milestone expectations, like by certain ages, like doing, 
this and if not they're not doing that they're gone or will you if you like because oh, nature is so important to you will you hold on to something a bit longer if it shows you you know because you, you like it because it's got good nature well we're doing it right now we've yeah. we've got one out there that won't work but um <laughs> it's out of snoopy's sister um by a dog that i love um so yeah we're just holding on to it and I don't have manners or anything on it. I it's just it's just growing up um, because yeah, she just I haven't really had time either. But they're all different. They're just yeah. Um, we're just gonna grow her up and just see if she starts because yeah, we just like her. Yeah. You sort of know how they bred if you get them. You know if there's like in our in our team of dogs to break it down, you got you sort of got purebred kelpies and then you got crossbred dogs and you got sort of collie crosses. So if you get one out of each line, you look for different milestones at different ages. So, you know, your Charlie and Emma's, your, your straight black and tan paddock styles, like you'd expect them to do a fair job by the time they're six months old, but then you get one of the more crossbred types. They're not saying they're a bad dog by any means, but you just won't be looking for the same milestones at the same age. You'd just be expecting a bit less or a bit more at different ages or, or whatever. Like you'd expect them to do more at certain ages and, and you'd say, well, I don't expect that from them. So, yeah. Cool. Um, so when you guys are, you know, sending your dogs out in the bush and everything, what sort of casting action are you sort of looking for and how important is that sort of natural cast? As a little puppy, um, a release <laughs> for anything, um, if you're getting them all, well, no, it's different, but a release when you're working them on sheep, we have a whoosh. Um yep. So that carries on with them right up until they're old dogs. So if we're if we know the goats are below us down a hill or something, it's just a whoosh. And that doesn't matter if they cross you, that's just get to the stock. Yeah. Get, get the job done. Yeah. Comes back it doesn't same, matter. Same doesn't matter where just, they go. That's just yeah. letting the dog pull its own to decide which way to go and just yep. build that yeah. thing. And even it it's even if with my bitch who is quite good with her sides um yeah you can whoosh her and if you can see her you can stop her and then give her a sides with your whistle if you want um but a whoosh is is go go find the stock yeah get there as fast as you can <laughs> do you ever find that um that complicates things when you like, are trolling or anything because your dogs are so used to just going out by themselves no same job Dog trolling is just a job, and there's a lot of people out there. I'm probably the worst person to ask, but um, there's you know there's a lot of people say, "Oh, I just work dogs or just trial dogs or whatever." It's just all bullshit. Like the dog troll is just a job. Go and do it. Wish your dog and send him out and get the job done. That's yeah. uh, and nine times out of ten we can't get it done in the ring. But um, you know it's just <laughs> it's the same story. You can just impact your sides a bit closer to home, and there's no blackberries and there's no dams and there's no lantana. So just make it happen. Yeah, love it. And do you guys use bark at all on your dogs when you're out working goats and cattle and all that, or you like more of a salad? <laughs> Not on command. No. <laughs> I could ask for it on one if I needed it, but no, we don't have any any yeah. bark or any bark on command, and that's probably we wouldn't need the tracking collars if we could ask them to bark. But goats hate bark. If we if they let out a bark on a mob of goats, they yeah they get very edgy and um, yeah they they sort of they get start to get real shaky and nervous and. And That's get when quite they hard run to handle. Out. Yeah. 
Um, but a bark on command would be amazing in yard dog trials I have found. Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we get a little bit too much pressure when I'm getting her to walk up on sheep because she just bites them. Yep. <laughs> so a bark would be good. <laughs> and what um, question here from Shannon McPherson, what age would you guys consider entering your dog in a trial and what do you guys is considered too young? Uh, when they're ready. Yeah, <laughs> uh, this they, is they're uh, good enough. They're good enough. They're old enough. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a yeah broad question. Um, because to, my my pup, I have him entered this weekend at the cattle dog trial. Um, and for me, it's, I've entered him there because I'm in complete control. Um, I'm confident that he can bring me cattle back at home. Um, so. Yeah, he is eight months old, um, which is probably bizarre to some people's ears. They'll probably say you're crazy, but you're in you're in complete control. You can you can dictate what happens. Uh, you can call him back and walk out of the arena. That's the worst case scenario. Yeah. Um, but I have spoke to uh, a couple of people in regards to yard trials um, because I'm obviously new, very very new to that scene, um, but. I believe that I could poke about with him in a yard trial. Um, but, yeah, a lot of people told me they wouldn't start dogs till two-year-old. And to me, I'm just like, what? Right. <laughs> Holy dooly, like that, that's an old dog. Like, Anyway, yeah, so that's just my my opinion. But I know that I'm confident in, in the dog. Um, so, yeah. Pressure's on now. You've said it, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good, good, yeah, enough well, to, good enough they're old enough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love the way you answered that, Grace, and specifically because you said, uh, and for someone that does push young dogs too hard, well, I've tried uh, a couple of dogs, they're nine months old myself, right, and got around. But the thing you said was you can just call your dog back and walk out at any time. Yeah, 100%. And you don't know, you can't pick the cattle that are coming out or the sheep. Um, you might get three head that walk out and are happy to walk like lambs. Um, or you might get three renegades that walk out, or your dog might blow him up. He he might just bugger it all for himself. You still can just walk out. Yeah. That's a, yeah. Comes down to nature. Like our, our dogs are probably all pretty solid natured. Um, so then in that scenario in the scone one, for instance, on the weekend, that it's a big concrete wall around and a roof over, and it's probably the sub dogs that would wig out and wouldn't handle it until they're a bit older. But if their nature's sound and their desire to please, they won't care what's around them. So. Do you want to tell us a bit about this trial you got coming up? Just one second. Oh, wait, sorry. While we're on that topic, um, Nikki West has asked, would you guys enter young dogs to give them exposure at a trial, even if they may not be ready? Yeah, that's – yeah. Depends on what you're prepping them for, yeah. Um, yeah, I can't see it being a problem if you wanted to test them out and see if their nature's sound or strong or, you know, it's probably not a bad place to throw them in the deep end and say, you know, are you solid or ain't you solid? But, um, yeah. I, I suppose you would put them in to test them out, yeah. Yeah, you just – you don't know what's going to walk out of the gate. You could get the three yeah. best cattle ever or sheep ever. So, yeah, I'm I'm all for it because I – yeah, I'm doing it. So that a lot of – I know a lot of people are probably sitting at home going, ooh. <laughs> That's the beauty of what we do, right? We've all got different opinions and try different yeah. things. There's no right or wrong way, just yeah. whatever, yeah. No, nah, not at all. And you mentioned the trial coming up this weekend. Do you want to tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday at Scone, we've got um, uh, a normal 
North New South Wales Working Stock Dog Association affiliated open. There's about 130 dogs in it. It um, it'll be three at a cattle in the indoor arena, and then outside in the camp draft arena, running at the same time, we've got a, a cow dog challenge um, with five head of cattle and probably about five obstacles. And uh, yeah, it, it, it's um, it's more based on, on on sort of paddock work, bush work. Um, there'll be you know it'll it'll change the the course will change from round to round, but um, there'll be a buggy in there. Like dogs going to jump on the buggy and just just. You know, not that everyone uses the buggy at home, but that just shows that you can call your dog off and, and do something else with it. So it's um, yeah, it's it'll be good. There's about 150 dogs in it. Oh, that sounds pretty cool, eh? Yeah, beautiful. Sounds like it'd be a good weekend. I'm probably shouldn't have been working this weekend, so come <laughs> out and watch. Yeah, no, it should yeah, be good. There's about about 90 competitors in the in the cow dog challenge, which is a which is a huge effort. A lot of people are coming just to have a go in it, just because yeah. they haven't seen one and and whatever, but um yeah there's been a few about um tony mccallum he used to run a few yeah he sort of set them all up and and used to run a few around the countryside on farms and and um, done a great job with every farm you go to is something different that's the, that's the beauty of them everywhere you go to competing one it's just completely different you just don't know what you're going to get to walk in and listen to what the judge has got to say yeah i reckon that's so cool so how long have you guys been trialing um, 2007 when the horse flu was on was my first go, um, and then uh, I would have only been five year old though, so pretty young, <laughs> pretty young fellow. But uh, no, I was so yeah, 2007 for me and Grace only a couple of years ago. And then I was sort of cut short with COVID, um, but yeah, kicked back into it now, so it's good. Beautiful and. Obviously, um, Zach, you're doing mostly cattle trialling, but you've also thrown your hand in a couple of other things. I get dragged along and, <laughs> and uh, think I should have a go while I'm there, but probably embarrass myself at, at most. But no, I had a go at um, Carcor and the yard dog trials. I'd done a few yard dog trials when I was out at Dubbo, like when I lived at Dubbo and in that area, a few of the local show trials out there. Um, but um, haven't done much yard dog trialling. Uh, went to Geary. It was an all-round one. And then Grace has been doing a few of the um, ultimate stock dog ones, and I went to Gora with her early in the year. So, yeah, I had a little dabble at it. I um, I was at the table the other night filling in my entry form for what did I enter? No, something at Ningen. I'm going to something at, at Ningen. Utility trial. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I've done a utility trial, but we're going to the going to the big straight to the top. So. <laughs> I love that. Like you guys are just prepared to throw your dogs in any situation and uh, and just have a crack. Like that that's admirable, and you know that not only at work but also out in in the public eye. I think that's awesome. That's great. Yeah, have a crack. It's, they are what they are. We don't talk them up too much, but we'll have a go at most things. It's like anything. My first yard trial and everything. Like it's just doing a job. Like it's what we do at work. So, and of course the nerves. You get nervous, a hundred percent. But yeah, it. I love it. It's good. So, so why do you troll? Not good at anything else. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it because I love having a go at most things. Um, so yeah, when I got a little dog that I could do it all with, I yeah, I just wanted to see how far we can go. Just like a challenge, that's it. and that's why we're trying to do these other cow dog challenges and utility stock dogs. Just something different. Just 
test ourselves and test our dogs. We most certainly don't have the best dogs around, but we'll certainly have a go at everything. And um, yeah, there's probably plenty of people that sit at home and say they do have the best and don't go and have a go. So uh, we just go and have a go. We don't, we don't care too much and, and that's one thing I'm just a big believer in like I don't care if people like them or they don't like them as long as they do what we do at the end of the day that's um that's what it comes down to yeah yeah it's just a bit more humbling if someone does like them that's a good and always guys use guys are prepared to travel a fair way for a trial um hunter to Ningen and vice versa um how far have you guys traveled and Sort of how far are you prepared to go? Tagulu, I'll be out. Yeah, I went to Wallambilla near Rama for the Australian like catalogue trials two, three years ago. Um, and then we're going to go back to Tagulawa in Queensland in July. That's probably our furthest stretch um, for the Australian again. So, yeah, probably that would be the furthest. Carcor mm. was the furthest we've been to the south and, and um, up around the New England and that, you'd sort of get to the north a bit, yeah, and up the north coast of New South Wales. There's a lot of cattle dog trolling up there. And do you have a favourite or one you'd like to participate in? Mm. It was Carcor for me. Scone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, Carcor's good. It was a good show. Um, I, um, yeah, I don't know. The um, I always put a dog in the sale at Glen Innes. There's no trolling with that anymore, but... I used to have a uh, vendor trial up there where you trial the dog that you got in the sale and that, that was a great incentive. Like you, um, yeah, that was, that was probably one of the better weekends of the year. Um, but yeah, that one at Tamworth the other day, it's, it's certainly a good show. Um, you did yeah. quite well there too. Yeah, no, that's, I've never felt nerves like it in my life walking out into that. Indoor arena full of people. Because the time slot that we were in was supposed to be the cow cutter for the big cutting and we were running really yeah so everybody was in there waiting for that and here we are about to run with our dogs everyone's standing at the bar on yeah it was that was next level i yeah that's when the nerves see nerves bulging out and the cream rises to the top (laughs) (laughs) and and you mentioned um carcore a couple of times there you you judge the cattle section there zach uh what do you enjoy about judging I don't know. There's a lot Not to there. do in that day. Um, it was about six degrees and blowing a gale in Mandurah Car Court, and I've still got water in my raincoat from it. But um, now I, I do like judging. You don't actually get to see um, when you stand on the sideline. You don't get to see everything when you're judging. There's nothing you miss, and you know you might come up to me and say, "What did I do wrong?" I wouldn't remember your dog, what you done right or wrong. But when you're there watching, you see everything that happens, and you see little things about dogs. You go, "Oh, that dog faded off the head," or "That dog." went in there or that dog was nice and strong he might have got a terrible score but geez i like that dog and um you pick up on a lot of things and and um, i do i do enjoy judging i i probably done a bit too much there for a while and got a bit sick of it but uh judging again in armadale in in august and um in july and i do quite enjoy judging them a couple of years that you the, certainly where you see i like judging where you see dogs you don't see every day which is car call was one you see a lot of dogs that i don't I don't know the people for a start, let alone dogs. Yeah. And do you ever see something there and go, oh, shit, I never thought about, you know, attacking a course that particular way and then try and have a crack and see how bad you can make it go when you have a crack at it? <laughs> a car call is a classic. I was standing on the sideline and watching going, why are people doing it that way? Why are people doing it that way? And then I thought it, I went out there and I said, I better practice what I preach and, and do it the other way. But, um, yeah, you do. When you're watching, you just go, 
you see the way your cattle run and the way they handle the dogs and I'm probably a bit crucial to people but 90% of the people send their dogs the wrong way or something and I'm just sitting there and shaking my head but not saying I'm right but I'm just sitting there looking at the sideline going the definition of stupid is doing the same thing the same way and everyone's doing the same thing the same way so it's good to see it. I love seeing that person come out I don't care who it is and just give something else a crack just say right oh, that's not working for everyone before me I'm going to do something different and yeah. um that's the that's the good things about judging. You just that's the worst part about judging. In a lot of ways, you're already taking fifty points off them for something stupid. But you look at them and go, "Geez, I wish I could give ten back." Like for doing something good and an obstacle, or you know, um, rewarding good work is what I'm after. I suppose that's um, because you know when you get touchy cattle and people position themselves right and when they walk at the right time and the wrong time, it, you'd like to reward that stuff. Very cool. I was just going to say, you've mentioned nerves a couple of times, both of you, and obviously you just get nervous, um, as we all do. How do you guys handle your nerves? Me? Not very well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I haven't been that bad um, than I was at Tamworth. Tamworth was – but I also had Brendan next to us being sick out the back because he was so nervous. Um, so I'm standing there and I was trembling and Captain Casual here, he was just cool, calm and collected and I was, yeah. I thought it's the only way I can beat him, I'll just stay cool. So, <laughs> you know, it's, I suppose I do get nervous, but I, I don't show it a lot. But, well, um, I was trying not to show it, but I was shaking. Like, oh yeah, yeah. I, could, I couldn't even talk to my dog. I couldn't, I had nothing, nothing. <laughs> just do the job. <laughs> just going to tell yourself, go do the job. And Zach, um, with, you know, judging so much and obviously competing for so long, you know, in around the uh, McCabell trialing, is there something that you see handlers struggle with um, particularly or something that you believe handlers can improve? Um, I suppose probably, I don't know what they could prove, probably just if you push the nerves away for a start, most of your people you judge, the nerves will wreck them. They'll, they'll get them out of position. They'll get them. You know, you look at them and they get nervous. And you go, "Why would you stand there?" And they go, "Well, I probably wouldn't if I wasn't nervous." And you know, out of position with, on their stock is probably the biggest thing when you're judging. Like worrying about the dog too much and just talking to the dog too much and just, you know, <laughs> I'm probably a bad judge because I sit there and go, "Why would you do that? Why would you just shut up and just make it out, let it happen?" But <clears throat> a lot of people just start talking to the dog, and and um, I just love to say, put a bit, you know, there's an old saying around there, a few of us in the catalog trolley. Whenever the time stops and the person walks out and they turn their back and put the cattle away, that's when the dog works their best. So if you, you know, a lot of the times the people are stuffing their dog up and um, I'd like to see people just sort of think about the job, not so much about the trial, just do the job. How would you do the job at home? You know, forget about the rules. Yes, there's rules you've got to walk from A to B and you can't stop, but it doesn't mean you have to walk flat out and it doesn't mean you have to walk straight away. Like pick your timing a bit better and, and um yeah, I'd like to see a few more course smarts like that, I guess. But that's all that all comes in time too. It's um and some people probably don't have that knack and natural ability to want to, to want to learn how to read the stock, but yeah, I think if it's um that's probably something to pick up on. If 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 there was a way to have a course or run a course to say, well, where would you stand and how you'd stand it, you could run a whole day on it. Definitely. <laughs> and everyone would have a different opinion too. Exactly, exactly. Uh question here just come through from Carl Schubert. Um, seeing dogs come through in the trial game, what sire, dams, or bloodlines are you guys following or liking at present? At present? Um, 
don't know. What are we? What are we liking at the moment? Ghost has <laughs> uh, heaps of good dogs at Tamworth. Yeah, Ghost has got obviously her few Karana dogs that are doing the job for her, so she likes them. Um, my, we're probably going to go back a few generations and trying to breed to a few older bush type dogs that are um, like probably Chris Bagnall. You ring him up and he can talk to you for an hour about what we're chasing because <laughs> I can't remember who's who in the zoo, but probably go back to those good bush dogs like um you know i had a i had a couple of old dogs i was very lucky to get off chris and you know you look at them now and, and they might be getting better like i said earlier the, the longer they're gone but these jobs are easy when i had them so they sort of shake your head now and go right oh, why aren't we why aren't we still going towards that where you're using those sort of old bush dogs to do a job um so yeah we're probably going back a couple of generations we might be going back in life i don't know but just get that natural work, get that natu- natural bush sense where, you know, you don't talk to a dog for two hours and he's got the stock sitting at the gate. That's, um, yeah. you know, those two dogs of Chris that I speak of, both those dogs would be sitting at the gate waiting for you with the cattle if you didn't see them for two hours. And there's little things like that that we just need to get back to um, that we're missing. we just got, yeah, we haven't got that coming in the airlines at the moment. So I don't know what lines you'd call them as such. Probably just you'd call them a, a 300 k radius <laughs> bush dog. <laughs> that's what you'd call them that you'd find them anywhere in the hills here that are bred right for what we want there are a lot of good dogs trialing at the moment but um yeah. the other day that that was probably the best lineup of dogs that we've seen at a cattle trial um yeah but horses for courses that's what zach just said that's sort of the path that we're going down um and if my bitch ever come on heat i'd think about finding a dog for her but that's not happening so <laughs> we sort of even though you go down different lines we'd probably just keep we like we have a very mixed up team like most people are just passionate kelpie passionate collie whatever our team's very mixed so we'd probably keep mixing a bit too like grabbing a bit you know if we if we're going to put one of our black and tan bitches we'd probably put it to a black and tan like not saying a kelpie dog and put it to a kelpie you know paddock type sheep dog and then if we're going to breed the other crossbred bitch we'll probably go sort of more her way, um, not breed them as siblings, but breed them close enough that you, you're you not spreading out the gene pool too much. So, yeah. yeah. Just going out everywhere, trying to narrow it down a bit. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, you just end up with a with a bloody paint pot with everything in it. And uh, we mentioned earlier that you had a good run there the other week. Uh, what do you feel is your best trialling achievement thus far and or just a special moment for both of you? Um. Making the State of Origin team for New South Wales a couple of years ago, this will be my third time, but the first time and every time is special, but I think that's pretty handy. Like you just, yeah, go out and, and um, last year was probably the best one. COVID had a bit to do with it, but um, with the ignorant black dog that I speak of, you know, current New South Wales Open Dog of the Year, admittedly COVID might have had a bit to do with that. There wasn't a heap of events, but you take it when you can get it. And I think that was a pretty good achievement. She made the team and, and got a trophy to show it and, and got a dog of the year trophy to show it. That's probably as good an achievement as I've had, other than probably winning the first one I ever went in. But um, your, what's your biggest achievement? Ah, uh, you got that many ribbons here, would you know? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I like. I love the Gyra Utility Trial that we went to. That's always good fun. Um, they run a really good show there. Uh, so that was really. I, I got second last year, um, and I got second again on Saturday. Um, and 
I was a spoiled brat and I thought, God, I did it again. I can't crack the blue that we won it on the Sunday. So that was pretty cool. I was I was proud as punch, but car call for me was uh, a big one to win the stockmanship award in the open yard trial with Emma. That was, and I was early out for him to remember my run was, that was pretty special. And he won the open cattle stockmanship award. So, and then Snoopy, Snoopy took, nearly took the double whammy. If he could win the open, he got second and I got first and novice. So had yeah, you, it was, it was cool. Had you had much, um, Yard um, trial experience up to that point. Grace has actually told me a really cool story here, and I think you should share it about sitting there um, waiting to go in. Oh, <laughs> no, I hadn't. I took um, our old bitch Jinx in a yard trial one time, and she ran a complete muck. Um, I should have took Emma, but I, at the time I hadn't taught her how to back sheep. I tried to, but she didn't want a bar of it. Um, so leading up to car core, because I was pregnant and um, having a few issues, I wasn't able to be at work. So I was playing around with sheep and dogs a lot. Um, and one day she just started backing and I thought, right, I ran inside and I entered her in the maiden novice and open yard trial at car core. Because <laughs> Annabelle was six weeks old, eight weeks old. Um, so I was fresh, ready just to get out and try different things you know I was cooped up for so long um and so I started in the maiden and that was a bit wild but we we got there and in the novice we got a bit better and by the time the open came I was a nervous wreck and I'm standing there just watching every run go through and there was this gentleman standing next to me and um I asked him I said do you know anything about the judging uh like just someone I can ask some questions to because I, I and I still haven't worked it out where you lose so many points. Um, and he, he said, yeah, well, yeah, I know a bit about the judging. I'm judging the open. And I, I was like, oh, okay, great. You're perfect to talk to. <laughs> That's great, um, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> he would have just been thinking, this girl is crazy. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he, he was really, really good. He answered all the questions and it was raining and, Zach was messaging me, can I have some more socks? But I was still just watching the yard trial. <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah, they really turned the weather on for us, didn't they? And I remember watching that run, uh, watching in open and thinking, geez, you had a good handle of your dog. So, yeah, absolutely oh. um, deserved that, um, that trophy, that award. So, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Out of it, yeah, good so. hat. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> um, question here from John Pillow. Any particular handballer that um, had a big influence on you guys? Me? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Zach has some good ones because he's obviously been around yeah. longer. But um, um, probably for me, uh, Chris Bagnell. I yeah, that was I idolised him. I went and bought the same whistle as him and everything. <laughs> I ventured out now. I have one like Jake Nolan. So fangirling. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and Zach. Yeah, so I, I'm sort of. I'd like to say I'm in between Zach and Baggy. Yeah. Really? Um, <laughs> that's interesting. Um, <laughs> uh, Back to the question. <laughs> yeah. Nah, um, probably, um, yeah, Milo, he had a fair bit to do with my, um, Dan Matthews, he had a fair bit to do with the way I handle the dog. Um, he's a fair bit better than I am. I'm pretty lazy on the whole breaking in, but yeah, just to relax and just break it down, just, 
left, right, stop, not do too much over fancy stuff. And yeah, so he probably had a fair bit to do with my my the way I handle the dog. We use the same sides, and and then yeah, that's probably true that even Chris that Grace speaks of, we'll work a dog the same. That way we can get a dog off anyone, and we get a dog off each other. We can nine times out of ten we can work them. So that's handy. Cool. And what advice would you guys give to someone that wants to pursue a career in the livestock industry? Go at it. Have a go. Uh, don't be afraid to try something. So, yeah, what worked for me is I got an opportunity to go to Dubbo Sayards when I was in my early 20s and didn't have anywhere to live. Just went and lived in a motel for three weeks and had a crack. And here I am now. So, yeah, just just have a go. That's the biggest thing. Have a go. There's, all, there's that many people that will help. Like, there's anyone, dogs, horses. Cattle, agency game, anyone to help you. Most people anyway. Great advice. And is there anyone you'd like to see come on to Dog Talk for a chat? Oh, well. Probably Baggy. He'd yeah, be good. Bring up Chris Bagnall. Chris Bagnall would be good. You probably want a, a bit longer time slot. <laughs> <For the dog>. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he's certainly probably a bit of an insight into some people wouldn't wouldn't know some of the stuff he knows about you know, because he's probably not saying he's a dog expert, but he's travelled the miles. You know, if he wanted to go and breed a dog somewhere, he hopped in the car and went. 12 hours, 14 hours, no worries. I've went a few times, fell asleep and tried to be a good company, but I wasn't that. But um, just, yeah, just just passionate about breeding dogs. That's probably the um, – he's tried most things that people have tried and, and if he, he'll first admit to say something didn't work. And, and um, yeah, he, um, he lives at Charleville now and, that uses dogs in a complete different way than what he would have two or three years ago, but got to adapt to the situation and he'd be a good one. Which is how I ended up with Shy, my bitch. He was working sheep at Glenrock Station and now he's, yeah, all cattle up in Queensland. So he had yep. to change his whole pack. <laughs> well, there you go. You put in a good word for us and we'll try and get Baggy on. Oh, yeah. He'd be up for yarn for sure. <laughs> oh, we hate a yarn, so, yeah. <laughs> So it's that time of the evening. Uh, was there a question that stood out for you guys today and they will win a bag of Enduro Plus? Um, or sorry, they can pick any Enduro um, food they like, so the Plus, the football or the puppy. Um, I think, um, I don't know, the one about the breeding, I think it was Carl, he um, he asked about the breeding and what way we go. I think that was probably a good question to say that yeah. we don't have a dead set line we're going, we're just going for the, um, yeah, going for what works for us and going back a few generations just to try whether it's still there and whether it's still going to work for us. So that was probably a good one. Cool. Carl Schubert, if you want to shoot us a message, please, with your details, bag of Enduro coming your way. Also, guys, for being on tonight, thank you once again. And there's a bag of Enduro coming your way as well. Outstanding. Yeah, cool. <laughs> um, so thank you for jumping on. It's been great. Um, one last question, though. Uh, for both of you, both get an answer for it. Would you rather fight one duck the size of a horse or 20 horses the size of ducks? Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> <laughs> one duck the size of a horse? I'm not really sure. This is a trick one. I'm going to go the one duck. The yeah. size of the horse? Yeah. Why? I don't know. <laughs> Take on the army. Take on the army. Yeah. Oh, I love that. The, the guy that sits in the, in the truck goes, just give me the one. The girl, the go-getter goes, give them all to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Nah, love it, guys. Thank you very much for your time tonight. Um, as Laura said before, we really appreciate it. And I'm sure everybody out there took a little bit away from it. Nah, thanks very much. Thank you. Appreciate you asking us. Nah, not a drama. And thanks to all our viewers out there. And um, please remember, we learn every day. And the day we stop learning will be a sad one for each of us. Thanks, guys. Sure. Thank you. Good night. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.